0: Hi listeners, welcome back to Motivate, the Motivation and Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today's guest is Carla Harris talking about the pearls to success. Today's episode is a constant reminder that whatever you're given, whoever you are, and whatever you aspire to be is all left up to you. You decide on where you go in life, and all you have to do is figure out the keys to get there. That's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sincerely an honor and a pleasure to be here today, and I thank Gloria Feld for giving me the opportunity to spend a few minutes with you, sharing with you what I like to call, Carla's Pearls. <laughs> My hard-earned and hard-learned pearls after being a woman on Wall Street for 26 and a half years. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's an amen. I dare say that I have learned a few things about not only surviving but more importantly thriving in the seat that you sit in or the seat that you aspire to sit in. And that's what the pearls are all about. I had the privilege of writing a book in 2009 called Expect to Win. And since then I've had the privilege of speaking all over the world about the pearls. And over and over and over people ask me all the time, why did you write this book? Why are you so honest about everything that happened in your career? And I will tell you why. When I walked out of the lauded Halls of Harvard undergrad and Harvard Business School, I embraced this whole concept of a meritocracy. Success was merely a function of how smart you were and how hard you worked. Yet, when I started my career, it didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> you see, I thought I was pretty smart, Harvard undergrad, magna cum laude, Harvard Business School, pretty smart, huh? Yeah. I'm from the South, so I knew there were very few of those boys that could outwork me. Yet, the combination of the two did not equal maximizing my success. So I had to ask myself, what's missing in this success equation? And being the anal person that I am, I went to the dictionary and I looked up the word meritocracy. And I don't care whose dictionary you go to, if you look up the word meritocracy you will see the word objective somewhere in that definition yet in all of our evaluative equations there is a human element and if there is a human element by definition it is subjective it cannot be 100% meritocratic so what are some of those other things that influenced your success equation and that's what the pearls are all about so tonight I'm going to leave you with three of the pearls and expect to win. We're going to talk about the power of authenticity. We're going to talk about fear and the importance of taking risks. And we're going to talk about relationships as a part of that, especially the sponsor relationship. And then finally, we will talk about one of the most important pearls, and that is perception is the co-pilot to reality. How people perceive you will directly impact how they deal with you. The power of authenticity. You are your own competitive advantage. Nobody can be you the way that you can be you. So the last thing that you should, yes, yes. The last thing that you should ever do is to submerge that which is uniquely you. Anytime that you are trying to behave or speak in a way that is inconsistent with who you really are, you will create a competitive disadvantage for yourself. If your success depends upon your ability to successfully penetrate relationships, the easiest way to penetrate a relationship is to bring your authentic self to the table. If you bring your authentic self to the table, people will trust you. And trust is at the heart of any successful relationship. It is at the heart of any successful relationship. As quiet as it's kept, most people are not comfortable in their own skin. So when they see someone who is comfortable and confident in their own skin, they will gravitate towards you. They want some of that. That was a very interesting lesson for me to learn. When I first started in this business, I didn't want anybody to talk about the fact that I was a singer. I wanted to be known as a no-nonsense, hard-driving, analytical, quantitative investment banker. I'm not here to sing and dance, boys. Let's not get it twisted. (laughs) I didn't want anybody to talk about that until I saw the client reaction. My colleagues would often go into a pitch with me and say, oh, this is Carla Harris, our capital markets banker. But what you really ought to know about Carla is that she's an amazing gospel singer. She's done three CDs, four sold out concerts at Carnegie Hall and blah, 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 blah. And there I was rolling my eyes until I saw the client reaction. Oh, you're a singer. Oh, I so admire people who can sing. I personally love to sing, but my family will only let me sing in the shower. and maybe you could talk to my daughter about how she can integrate her love of the arts and her academics and blah, blah, blah. And there we were having a 15 minute meeting before the meeting. Are you with me? Take the lead. So when I sat down to pitch, they heard me with a different ear. They saw me through a different lens. I naturally differentiated myself from the other five bankers that would come in there and pitch that same IPO that afternoon because Carla Harris, the singer, was allowed to be in the room with Carla Harris, the banker. So anytime I walk into a new situation today, I bring Carla Harris, the investment banker, Carla Harris, the investment manager, Carla Harris, the prayer warrior, Carla Harris, the singer, Carla Harris, the writer, Carla Harris, the speaker, Carla Harris, the golfer, Carla Harris, the football fan. I bring all those Carla to the table because I don't know which Carla will be the one that will connect and will allow me to own that relationship in a proprietary way. The second pearl I wanna leave you with tonight is if you consider yourself a leader in the 21st century, you must be comfortable taking risks. You must be comfortable taking risks. 15 years ago, you could create a competitive differential for yourself in the marketplace if you had information that other people didn't have. But today, information is a commodity. So the only way that you can differentiate yourself is to show that you are comfortable taking risks. But interestingly enough, as we have been in the economic environment that we have been in for the last five or six years, and I've traveled around the country, all I've heard from people is keep your head down, keep your head down, don't rock the boat. You know, 8% unemployment, now 6.6% unemployment. We're having our third reduction in force. We are restructuring again. Just keep your head down. Well, take the lead, Arizona. I'm here to tell you that keeping your head down will not keep you from getting shot. So you might as well keep your head up so you can see the bullet coming. No. (laughs) I say that in jest because what I'm really trying to tell you is that when we are in environments like we have been in for the last five or six years and everybody else is besieged with fear, and everybody else is ducking, you have clear vision. You have clear vision to see the opportunity. This is exactly the kind of environment where you can markedly accelerate your success no matter what kind of organization you are in. This is exactly the time to say, oh, I know that we're trying to maintain our profitability. I have two thoughts about how we should do that. I know we're trying to cut costs. I have three ideas about how we should do that. I know we now have two people doing the same job that eight people were doing. That sounds like a process redesign. I'd like to take that on. Translation to management, boy, she's not worried about the layoffs. He's not worried about losing his job. She's trying to put points on the board. He's trying to move the ball down the field. He, she is a keeper. The issue with keeping your head down is that you submerge your voice and your voice is at the heart of your power. And if you submerge your voice, you will become irrelevant. And if you become irrelevant, you will put a big target on the front and a big target on the back. But when I ask myself why we don't take more risks, the only thing that I can come up with is that we're (laughs) scurred. We're just scurred. It's fear. And take the lead, Arizona, hear me clearly. Fear has no place in your success equation. Fear has no place in your success equation. Can I hear you say it? Fear has no place in my success equation. And anytime I feel it creeping up the back of my neck, I remind myself of that old saying, fear is just false evidence of things appearing real. It's really not there because what's the worst that can happen if you take a risk and it doesn't work out so you fail but guess what failure always brings you a gift and that gift is called experience now you know how to do it better now you know how to do it differently now you know how to do it successfully at the margin it is always worth taking the risk and if You are shown a new opportunity, as many of us will be in these kinds of economic times. And you're not sure whether or not you should take the risk to maximize your success? Ask yourself three questions. Will the new thing give you skills and experiences that you would not get if you stayed in your current seat another 12 months? Second question, will the new thing expose you to people, relationships, and networks that you would not get if you stayed in your current seat another 12 months? And the third question is will the new thing create new branches on your personal decision tree of opportunity, i.e. you could go off and do some other things that you wouldn't have been able to do if you stayed in your current seat another 12 months? If the answer to all three of those questions is yes, you should absolutely take the risk. The last pearl that I want to leave you with is the perception, Pearl. It is the most important thing that I learned after two and a half decades on the street that will absolutely impact your ability to maximize your success in the seat that you're sitting in or the seat that you aspire to sit in. Perception is the co-pilot to reality. How people perceive you will directly impact how they deal with you. And it's important that if you wanna maximize your success, you should understand the perception that exists about you in the marketplace. What lens are they looking through when they are looking at you? And if you want to maximize your success in the seat that you're sitting in or the seat that you aspire to sit in, it is imperative that you understand the adjectives that are associated with success for the seat that you're sitting in or the seat that you aspire to sit in. If you would like to manage a large group of people, but you are not perceived as being motivational, inspirational, and organized, it doesn't matter that you can. It doesn't even matter that you did. You won't get the opportunity to do that if you are not perceived as such. If you would like to manage a large P&L, but you are not perceived as being analytical, quantitative, strategic, doesn't matter that you can, doesn't even matter that you did, you won't get the opportunity to do that if you are not perceived as such. So when I say this to people, they say to me all the time, well, Carla, I am who I am. I can't make anybody think about me in a certain way. If you remember nothing else about our time together tonight, remember that you can train people to think about you in the way that you want them to think about you. And how do you do that? You pick three adjectives that you would like people to use to describe you when you are not in the room. And why do I say when you're not in the room? Is because all of the important decisions about your career will be made when you are not in the room. <laughs> Compensation decisions will be made when you're not in the room. Promotion decisions will be made when you're not in the room. And new assignments will be given out when you are not in the room. So how do you want people to describe you when you're not in the room? Pick three adjectives that are absolutely consistent with who you really are. As you have heard, I'm a big fan of the authenticity point. It is your distinct competitive advantage. So pick three adjectives that are consistent with who you really are. However, pick three adjectives that are valued in that organization. And if you don't know what's valued in that organization, you can go to the organization's website. There isn't an organization today that doesn't describe itself or its values on its website. And if they don't, think about what they told you when they hired you. Oh, Jill, we hired you for the following two reasons. Oh, Mary, you beat out these three candidates for these three reasons. They told you then what they valued about you. So the trick is to continue to improve upon that which they value. The three adjectives that are consistent with who you really are, the three adjectives that are valued in that organization, Where they intersect is how you must behave consistently if you want to train people to think about you in a certain way. Consistent behavior around those three adjectives. And the story that I love to tell was five to six years into my career, I had a very senior managing director say to me, you know, you're smart, you work hard, but I don't think you're tough enough for this business. Now my first reaction is, what is he smoking? (laughs) You can call Carla Harris a lot of things, but ain't tough, I ain't one of them. But then I said, wait a minute, suppose this guy is not pulling my leg. Suppose he really doesn't think that I'm tough enough for this business. And as you might imagine, ladies and gentlemen, the last thing that you wanna be thought of as a woman on Wall Street is not tough. So after I got that feedback, I said, okay, I know what I'll do. For 90 days, I decided I would, Walk tough, talk tough, eat tough, drink tough. Use tough in my language because it's important that if you wanna train people to think about you in a certain way, you must have consistent behavior around those three adjectives. And you must use this language in your environment, particularly when you are talking about yourself. So I had a reputation of being very good at critiquing management presentations, so much so that before we took a company on the road for a multi-billion dollar IPO or multi-hundred million dollar common stock transaction, my colleagues would often ask me to come into the room and listen to that CEO's presentation and give that CEO some feedback, even when it was not my deal. So the next time someone asked me to do that, after I'd gotten that feedback, I said, wait a minute, tell me a little bit about this CEO. Is this guy sensitive? Does he have a thin skin? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because you know I'm tough. (laughs) And I kept using this language over and over and over to describe myself. And sure enough, in about 90 days it worked. I was behind a team of people. They didn't know I was behind them. The VP was beating up the poor associate. Do you have the backup analysis? Do you have the synergy analysis? We're going to see Carla Harrison. You know she's so tough. So they will start to think about you in that way. If you have consistent behavior around those three adjectives, but it is imperative, ladies and gentlemen, that you understand the adjectives that are associated with success for the seat that you're sitting in or the seat that you aspire to sit in. And particularly if you are interviewing for a job, your prerequisite experience is not the predominant factor in the affirmative decision to give you that job. It is about understanding what the buyer is really buying What adjectives are associated with success for the job that you aspire to get at that point? Every class that you have had, every relationship that you have or you have had and every experience that you have had has uniquely informed your ability to maximize your success in the seat that you're sitting in or the seat that you aspire to sit in. It is about having an expect to win mentality. Winners may ask when, They may ask how, but they never ask if, because they know how the story ends. So it's important that you own your power and recognize that if you have gotten to this seat tonight, that you have everything that you need in order to lead successfully, no matter what organization, what industry vertical, or what you might aspire to do. Now, as I close, I want a little audience participation here. So as you heard, I'm a singer. And uh, singers like to have a little backup. (laughs) And the 10th song on my last CD is called Expect to Win. It was named after my book and it was written by a wonderful group called Swat, Singers with a Testimony out of Brooklyn. And it's just an amazing song and it's my anthem. I put it on every morning that I'm about to head into my office and I crank it up. So here is the chorus. I'm going to sing it once for you, and then I want us to do it together. Yes? (laughs) Expect to win. No matter what you're up against, don't give up, don't give in. Oh, yes, you can. Not fear, but faith will win the race. Don't give up, don't give in. Expect to win Now, let me see how you can do it. I'm gonna sing a little bit you'll sing a little bit. Are you ready? Can we get some house lights? Yes. Yes Okay, here we go. I'll say it and then you repeat it Expect to win No matter what you're up against, don't give up, don't give in. No matter what you're against, Oh, yes, you can. Not fear, but faith will win the race. Don't give up, don't give in. Expect to win. Okay, let's do a little bit. (laughs) All right, let's go this way. Not fear but faith. faith. We'll win the race. race. Don't Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give in. Expect to win you take the lead there yes! go